It's been a week where I hope you have embraced the commission from last week just to explore with a greater hunger for more of what God desires to reveal. Uh, I, it's just the interesting thing because I, you know, when, I, when I'm coming up here to speak, normally I have a pretty fluid perspective of kind of how I want to start, where I feel we need to go, and where we are going to land. I just feel like today the Lord has not allowed me to possess that. Um, and so I, I just I want us to cooperate with Him. We're going to talk about a really deep truth, a really deep subject, and, um, and I just want to kind of take, take the time necessary to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us about this incredible truth found in the book of Hebrews. And, and what I, last week I introduced to you the concept and, and the idea that we find in Hebrews chapter 5 where it speaks of this mystery character in Scripture, Melchizedek. And um, it's really unique when you start to see a little bit of, of who this person is and, and what their role is in Scripture. But the thing that I want to start with today is our understanding of what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these believers. And it's a really important truth. And I just feel this is, this is kingpin central for our understanding what we're going to talk about today. Verses 10 to 12 of Hebrews 5, Jesus was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. How many of you know that this person is pretty significant in Scripture? If Jesus is designated to be high priest, our high priest, in the order of Melchizedek. So we need to understand... Jesus did not qualify to be a priest in the order of the Levites because Jesus was not a descendant of Aaron. And so it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it, that like Jesus, the ultimate priest, doesn't qualify according to the religious structure of the world. I just want to welcome you to a place where we believe disqualification is broken off of every person's life, no matter what kind of structure has had any. Come on, help me, help me with that today. We're declaring that disqualification is broken in Jesus' mighty name. And so this is significant that we get an understanding of what this is about. Jesus was designated... Hebrews 5.10, by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this. We have much, I would like to talk a lot about this. We have much to say about this important concept, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you need milk, not solid food. And, I, you know, I've, I've been reflecting on this a lot, just trying to figure out where we're to launch and what we're to see and the thing that I just keep coming back to over and over and over is the understanding that here we have Scripture that perhaps would have elaborated more on the revelation that we're talking about had these Christians been hungry to go deeper in a greater place of maturity. Do you understand that? He said, I'd like to talk to you more about this, but because you're not ready for, for meat, you're only ready for milk, then uh, this is the extent of what I'm going to say. And this is the thing, I just think it's important. When we're talking about legacy, 
You never leave a legacy until you first live a legacy. And I want to encourage you to know there are some places the next generation church will not go if we are not willing to go deeper now. There are some things the next generation church is going to have to pray in, it's going to have to be more diligent about to get released out of heaven into their hearts if we don't take our responsibility now. But there are some things the next generation church is going to simply be handed and entrusted to their care because we were willing to press in and pray the price to see the kingdom of God advance. Are you ready? Are you willing to do what it takes to get in that mode where we're receiving everything God desires to entrust to our care so the next generation church is is better equipped and better prepared to see God's kingdom expand in the earth. We're believing for revival. Would you agree? Let all the nations of the world be revived to the purposes of God. What that means is we have a role to play just as previous generation Christians have served a role and we have been entrusted uh, to our care what they cultivated. So is it the case, folks, where we're going to hand the baton into the next generation? You know, I, I had an interesting experience uh, this last week and just praying and trying to, all right, Lord, how do, you, how do we do this? How do we find, you know, deeper places of just pursuing God? And I woke up one morning, I told uh, Tracy and the girls about this, but I just woke up and as I rolled over, I woke up just, you know, my first moment when I, when I wake and I opened my eyes and looked at the ceiling in our bedroom and as soon as I did, I felt as if, the Lord himself put his hand on my eyes. And it was just an interesting moment because I just laid there and thought, what's this about? And, and I really sensed the Holy Spirit saying, he's bringing a deeper sense of healing in my mind and in my emotions. And I just felt almost like the Lord doing a work all throughout my head, my mind, my emotions, down into my heart. And I just laid there just listening, just saying, Lord, I just want more. How many of you just want more? I just, I mean, he's, he is so anxious for us to wake up to his purposes and what he wants to say. And as I laid there, you know, we do the turn the page challenge. Every day, just turn one page. It's amazing once you get in a rhythm how God will set you up to discover what you're about to read so many times. It happens all the time. And I was laying there thinking about this, what God was saying, having put his hand on my eyes, healing in my mind, healing in my emotions. And, I, and as I was laying there, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you, I'm going to confirm my word to you through your turn the page. So I got up, and I went in, and I was kind of eager to open my Bible. And you're never going to guess what I opened my Bible to. I opened my Bible. I wrote the date right there, the very first line. I didn't have to read down to the bottom of the page. The very first line, Jesus laid his hands on a guy's eyes to be healed. Asked the guy, do you see? He said, I see, but it looks like trees. And Jesus prayed again, and healing came. I want you to know, God is in the business of taking us into deeper places of knowing who he is. Are you hungry today? Do you really want to go there? I want a real relationship with God. How about you? I don't want churchianity. I want Christianity. I want to be, I, I love the move of God. I love to get around and experience the moves of God. But I want to say to you, you are the move of God. 
experience him in such a way that you express him in power and anointing in relational uh, connectivity. And I was, I was sharing this particular story actually with Jason Shiflett, and it was really interesting because he said, you know, when you allow God to do something deep in you, then there are certain enemies, your children and your children's children are never going to have to fight. And so, Lord, I believe today you want to take us into the deep mysteries of God, the deep truths of your word, a greater revelation of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would be engaged on a level that we would understand this really isn't even about us and our generation. It's about this legacy of Christ that is established in the earth, and we get to contribute to just our lifetime. And I pray, Father, that we would all together live our lives in such a way that there would literally be a wake and a trail of transformed souls and lives and legacy as a result of our surrendered available lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Are you ready for solid food and not just milk. Melchizedek is an interesting person spoken of in uh, three portions of scripture. We see him in Genesis. We see this reference in Hebrews. We also see in uh, Psalms 110. And I, I just want to bring a declaration over all of us as we dig just a little deeper into this today. It's just a, a verse that I've been referencing and I think I even proclaimed it over you uh, last week. I want to say it again. I want you just to receive this as we are preparing our hearts for what God's desiring to reveal. Colossians 1, 10 to 12, the New Century Version, says it this way. You will produce fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God. Would you just say amen, receive that? <laughs> you are designed by God. Do you understand? God desires for you to produce good fruit and to, in every good work, grow in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come. I want you to know troubles are inevitable. Courage is optional. And God wants to awaken courage in your heart that will steamroll every problem that will come your way. You will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient. And you will joyfully give thanks to the Father who has made you able to have a share in all that he has prepared for his people in the kingdom of light. Amen, amen, amen. So this revelation of Melchizedek is for those that really want to go deep. Let me ask you a question. How mature because that's what it's talking about. These, these Christians weren't quite at a place of maturity to really be able to comprehend what the writer, I, I keep saying the writer because many people believe uh, it's Paul, but that's, there's um, discussion and debate about that. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, I want to take you deeper in this, but you're not quite there, not quite ready in the state of maturity for the deeper things that I want to reveal. Let me just think, I want you to think about this. How mature is the church of our generation today? How materialistic, consumeristic, and immature, and how mature, how sacrificial. You know, you can tell when somebody is mature. You can tell in the plant world when something is mature because it begins to what? Produce fruit. You can tell in, in our world uh, when somebody is mature because what? Their love and concern for others begins to outrun their love and concern for themselves. 
How mature is the church of our generation? Or you think they're ready for something deeper that God wants to take them in? How many of you want to just, I mean, I, whatever it takes, Lord, I just want to know this revelation that God's desiring to awaken within all of our hearts so that we become everything he's called us to be. And I believe there's some significant uh, a, a key in all of this on really many levels. But in Genesis 14, this is where we first read about Melchizedek. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem. He brought out bread and wine. What do you think we're talking about here? <laughs> uh, Salem is the abbreviated word for Jerusalem. So what we're seeing here is the king of Jerusalem bringing out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. It's such an interesting portion of Scripture. Now, I want you to know, uh, again, this is where we start to look at this and think, wow, what is God really revealing in all of this? Do you know that the Bible actually says that you and I, ha uh, we can entertain angels unaware have you ever read that in Scripture? That means that like in the invisible realm, heaven is not like up somewhere high in the sky. Heaven is like the invisible realm that's right around us. It's right around you right now. And, and what, what we read, what we figure out by that is like God pulls back the curtain from time to time for the unseen to step into the scene. And so it's interesting when we look at this and we evaluate who Melchizedek is and, and, and in the same way that Maybe sometimes a curtain is pulled back and an angel revealed and we think it's a person. Uh, there's a, in other words, there is a communication that can come out of that dimension into the world in which you and I live. And there are some theologians that would actually suggest Melchizedek was not merely a type of Christ, but he was a pre-Jerusalem, pre-expression uh, of truly Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, what we read in the book of Genesis and I'm not starting a new doctrine, by the way. I'm just, these are interesting things to talk about. And perhaps if people in Scripture, when that was being written, were more ready for meat, we would, we would see some of this revealed in Scripture. Uh, but you understand, when we're looking at this, we're trying to figure it out. It's really unique because Noah, if you read Scripture, you'll see everybody who's revealed in those first chapters of Genesis especially, we know where they came from. We know Noah's father and we know Noah's sons. We know where they came from. We know where they were going. We see the descendants or the lineage of their lives. But Melchizedek, there is none. He seems to have no beginning and he seems to have no end. Isn't that interesting? It's just all of a sudden this person right there in the midst of everything, like bringing God's blessing into the earth, one that would carry an expression of the bread and the wine. What do you think that means? And, and, and I again, I just want to voice my appreciation. I know Tiffany has been working this morning to prepare uh, communion, and it's back at the center section. I want to reiterate it to you. We will receive communion together from time to time, but every 
Sunday during worship, don't hesitate. Go back and receive communion. Before church ever started today, I went back and I just stood there and I just celebrated and thanked God for his broken body and his shed blood and how Jesus, through his broken body and his shed blood, released the blessing of God into the earth for you and I to be able to embrace and for you and I to be able to express. And the more we follow the example of Christ, the more mature the expression of our lives really, really is. And that's what we're seeing in this whole element of Melchizedek bringing out the bread and the wine. It's an expression of the blessing of God through the one day would come broken body and shed blood of Jesus. And what's Abram's response to the blessing of God that's being released in the earth? He participates in that blessing by receiving what God is revealing and then releasing through this concept of the tithe. It's an important concept for us to understand. Some of you in the room perhaps have been taught the tithe is a part of the Old Testament law. And I just want to encourage you to know this is happening before the Old Testament law ever came into place, ever came into existence. This is 450 years before the law was given. So I agree, it is a part of the law, but it is a principle that actually goes back to the Garden of Eden where there is a sacred expression that God says, this does not belong to you. Leave this alone. And, and, and then we see Abram expressing there's always this sacred expression. Always a sacred expression where God is saying, let me have a sense of ownership and lordship in your life. And when you come back to this sacred expression over and over, then that is saying and communicating, I understand you are God and I am not. How many of you know God can handle things in your life better than you can handle things in your life? He can handle things in your life better than, and when you say, I, I know that's supposed to be sacred expression, but I'll take it from here, God. Like right now, I'm going to step into this mode. Listen, you've got to recognize this is not a healthy, good thing for you or the next generation church to get from you. God wants to awaken something of the deeper revelation and treasure of Christ within us. I just want you to see, and, and this is just stuff I've been looking at, trying to figure all of this out over these past several weeks, but I gave uh, Kim a, a picture today that I asked to put in. I want you to see, I didn't realize this, but whenever I started looking at it, I found that the word tithe is an interesting Hebrew word, and it's spelled M-A-A-S-E-R. I don't think it's going to be in your notes. Can you put that picture up for me, please? So there's the top word is tithe, M-A-A-S-E-R. But I want you to look at the word rich. It's A-S-E-R. And it's important that you understand rich is actually within the word tithe. Now, let's not get lost in the pursuit of riches as the world defines it. See, this is where we go wrong. You can take the picture down. This is where we go wrong. Uh, we go wrong because we start allowing our selfish ambitions to begin to handle the anointing when God is wanting to do something that will literally transform 
the entire society in which you and I live. God doesn't put the church in a society so the church can be blessed and thrive and independently from the world. For God so loved the world that he sends his sons and empowers them with that which heaven awakens in their hearts so they can go and be an agent of transformation in every society in which they live. That is being the salt of the earth. That is being the salt. It's just the way we live. It's just the expression of our lives as we walk. Now listen, when you and I start to understand this important principle, this important truth, I'm talking to you about more than one single concept and idea. I want you to try and really relate to and embrace what God wants to awaken in your heart today because God wants to just break some things. I was talking to Rosalia in the, in the lobby as I was coming in and she was, she was just sharing with me that this week, uh, in the same way I had a deep sense of encounter with God, so had she, and she began to tell me something was broken off of her life this week. I'm agreeing over you that it's broken forever, Rosalia, in Jesus' mighty name. I began to tell her how God was doing a healing work in me, and she said, you know, it really does me good to know that God is even working on my pastor. Can I just tell you, God is going to work on us forever. None of us have this figured out. We are all on a journey. I recently had a conversation with Sister Russell, who has uh, been here for a long time. Like probably, she's, she's probably trained up 10 or 15 pastors now in all the years that she's been here. Multiple different locations, business, uh, buildings, and so forth. And, and, and she told me recently, I have grown more in the previous few years than I've ever grown. I'm just growing deeper. I want to go deeper every day that I live. I want more. I, I've, been, I've been going through these institutes classes for three hours on Sunday nights. I'm going to be speaking for three hours on Sunday nights after speaking in two services on Sunday morning on those days. And you know why we're doing that? We're doing that because we want God's people to grow deeper in the things of God. And in these weeks, Tracy and I have been in this class with A.T. that he's been leading about the nature of God and the character of Christ. And, and, I, and I told our team the other day, I feel like I am more in touch with the very nature of God as a result of the impartation that's happening in that. I believe it's a significant time for us to be raised up as mighty men and women of influence who understand a true revelation of Christ in such a way that we live our lives in a great place of maturity, looking out for other people and not just looking out for number one. How many of you know you'll leave an amazing legacy if you'll do what I'm talking about? So there's a guy named Jonathan Edwards, and maybe you've heard of him as an amazing revivalist, set the world on fire. You know, a revivalist who sets the world on fire is a person who first comes to Christ. You have to make a decision first to know him. And then once you make a decision to know him, then you have to continually make a decision to grow in him. 
So there is the salvation element of coming to know Christ and then the lordship element where you grow in the lordship of Christ, letting him be lord of every area of your life, letting him be lord of every area of your way of thinking, letting him be lord over everything that you supposedly own. How many of you know God owns it, but God loans it, so we don't own anything? But when we are, allow the lordship of Christ to be established in our lives, we just start to live our lives from a more mature perspective, a greater awareness of really what's going on. And that, that began to happen in this young man's life as he came to Christ, and then he became this revivalist. He loved his family, he loved his wife, he loved his children, and, and he, he had quite a legacy, quite a heritage. And in a moment, I want to show you a comparison of, of Jonathan Edwards and another guy named Max Jukes. And Max Jukes was very self-absorbed, lived about the same era of time as Jonathan Edwards. And both of them have over a thousand descendants that have been traced and tracked. And both of them, you can see the comparison of what kind of legacy they leave. I'm, I'm going to say loud and clear, I, I hope you'll hear this from the depth of where I'm coming from as I say this, your decisions influence more than just you. Over a thousand descendants, Max Jukes, alcoholic, self-absorbed, abusive uh, husband, abusive father, would disappear for weeks at a time, come back to the home, and, and, and his legacy in comparison to the Christian Jonathan Edwards, who was sacrificial in the way, it's, it's incredible comparison. If you'll pop that picture up, what you'll see is that Jonathan Edwards uh, produced in his legacy 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public servants, 60 authors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 100 pastors, 100 lawyers, three U.S. senators, and a vice president. Max Jukes, a very self-absorbed individual, 310 of his descendants died on the streets as paupers, begging. 150 known criminals, seven murderers, more than 100 drunks, and 190 prostitutes. I want to say it to you again. The decisions you make today are echoing in the halls of eternity, and they're awakening something in the generation that's coming after you, or they are leaving it lying dormant. How about you? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to establish a legacy of Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, I'm talking about this house, we are going to leave the world a better place. It's so amazing how we see all of this revelation of Christ being revealed in these realities in Scripture. You know, we took 66 Sundays. 66. I had other pastors I'm in relationship with caution me. Oh, you don't want to do that. You're going to lose people. They're not going to want to do this uh, they were, I had all kinds of naysayers. How many of you know when, when God is telling you to do something and people are cautioning you not to, you pause to pray a little bit longer, but you got to go with what God is telling you to do. And so we took 66 Sundays and we looked at each and every book of the Bible and how Jesus is uniquely revealed in each and every one of those books. This is online and available to you as you turn the page, start in the book of Genesis every day, write the date, turn the page when you come to the next book, the book of Exodus. Then go and watch that 30, 35 minute message about the history context of the book of Exodus and how Jesus is the Passover lamb. How many of you know Moses took a rod and he struck a rock and water came out of the rock. 
Do you understand Jesus is the water that came from the rock that will quench the thirst of all humanity in the earth? Jesus is the rock that produced the water. Jesus is the rod that struck the rock in the authority of God. Jesus is Moses, the deliverer who brought the people out of the bondage of Egypt. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? I want more of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I, I, I know this gets a little bit like, how do you reconcile this theologically? Like, I'd be more comfortable if he said, the bread represented me that came down. That's not what he said. He said, I am the bread that came down. Eat my body, drink my blood, or you have nothing to do with me. I mean, these are, these are principles and truths that we see in Scripture that we realize God is serious about what he is trying to do to draw us into the deeper realities of who he truly is. We live in a very confined temporal existence, and he's trying to awaken the eternal purposes of God within us. And when he releases the treasure of heaven in our hearts, and then we hold on to those things, and we don't participate by helping others the way God desires for us to, we're allowing our temporal understanding and confinements to hold us back from releasing the eternal legacy of God in the earth. If there's one person I want on my side when I'm going through turbulent times, his name is Jesus. I want to be participating in the expression of the blessing of God in the earth as I am walking this out every single day. Immaturity, if you'll write it in, immaturity replaces sacrifice with self. If I'm unwilling to sacrifice, I'm too devoted to myself. I've missed a blank and I usually get a lot of hate mail when I miss blanks. <laughs> so let me go back. I told you I'm a little discombobulated today. I have not done a good job even progressing through what I have written. Abram gave not because he had a legalistic requirement to do so, but because he had a revelation of Christ. I mean, I, I've, I've looked at this before in the Old Testament and like, sometimes I find myself like a revelation of God's love. No, it's truly a revelation of Christ. Like Moses chose to be mistreated, the scripture says, with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of the world for a short term because he had a revelation of Christ, the Bible says. Like, this is amazing. Like, the revelation of Christ isn't just revealed in Jesus when he came, though that is the ultimate expression of the revelation of Christ, but he's been being revealed from the time before, and he'll be being revealed until the time after. And all throughout eternity, we're going to learn more about the nature of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. Come on, let's just stand together. Worship team, if you'd come. I just have a feeling this morning God's doing more talking in our hearts and lives than I, than I am. I, I started about a year and a half ago. I just decided to come up with a short list. And it's six things that I specifically pray every single day. 
And about six months into that specific prayer agenda uh, that I felt like the Lord was giving me, Tracy pointed out several things had suddenly uh, aligned. One of those being our our leadership institute and you know just several other things that started to kind of happen it just seemed all of a sudden God was expanding and she said I think this is God answering the prayer that you are continually praying and I, I want to tell you one of the things that God that I pray daily for you and you've heard me say the phrase most likely but I pray that our conversations will become confirmations that God is speaking to us all. And apparently, uh, last week before service, a few people were having a conversation, trying to remember now who all it was that told me. Charlie came up and was talking to somebody, and they basically named the three things that I was about to talk about not knowing I was about to talk about. And as they sat there in the service listening to the message, how many of you know we all have to be hearing God when that's the case? You know, this is, this is bizarre. I haven't talked about this in years. Uh, when, when our, years ago, our gymnasium fell under the weight of an ice storm. I'm not a professional pastor. <laughs> I never wanted to be, never wanted to be doing what I'm doing. Actually, the Lord made me. Anyone ever feel that way? I mean, I love it because it's what I was designed to do. I just had a hard time believing that. Uh, with my past. Uh, but one thing I certainly had never done was gotten up and done a capital campaign. Like, what in the world? When the gymnasium fell and suddenly we had to rebuild that and, and, and we had just been talking about a building up in the front that was going to be built that we're in right now, by the way. And, and we, we launched into this thing and, and, I, and I just said, I, I don't know what to do. I could take you to the place where I was standing when I was praying and the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm going to help you walk this thing out and see this thing through. And the Lord said, I'm going to bring one third of the money you're going to need through insurance. I'm going to bring one third of the money you need through pledges people are going to make. And I'm going to bring one third of the money you need just by the mighty hand of God. And, and that was all I had. How many know a word from God is all you need? And I just began to pray, and I began to pray. And it was interesting. I mean, it's a real long story, but let me just shorten it and condense it this way. Uh, the first phase of what we needed to accomplish was $3.3 million. $3.3 million. And so when we started talking to the insurance company about what they were going to do, and, and it was this really long, how many of you know the insurance company, when they come, their job is to save them money, not help you out. <laughs> I mean, I understand that maybe you're for an insurance agency and you have a very different philosophy. God bless you. You're more like Jesus than most people in your field. But, but they started negotiating, haggling. And what was the number? Our first phase cost how much? $3.3 million. And you know what I needed to see? I needed to see an insurance number that said $1.1 million. And you're never going to guess what they gave us. $1.1 million. It was so confirming. And then the next thing was like, how am I going to get, because we had maybe 300 people attending the church, how are we going to do this? Like 300 people make pledges. And, and it was like, 
So we did a Saturday thing, and then we did these you know, Sunday morning things and walking through these pledges. And I mean, I, I just, you know, it's so awkward with all of it, and everybody was so gracious. And at the end, I just have to tell you, I was sitting in my office, and I felt miserable because they, they told me, the people that were helping me, they told me that if your leaders don't come up with 70% of what you're needing, then it's not going to happen. And that meant I needed to see, like, $750,000 from our leaders, and, and our leaders didn't come up with that. That wasn't the figure. that they, they were being generous, but that just wasn't the figure. And so I just was kind of walking through the motions at that point the next day. How many of you know just big faith? Boy, big faith. I didn't expect God to come through at all. Big faith. Anybody ever been there before? I just thought, well, it's over. I guess they're going to run me out of town. Big faith. Anybody ever had big faith before? I mean, just give God a little something to work with. I was sitting in my office, and I was just saying, all right, God, this is it. Do or die. Because, like, I didn't just tell this, what I'm telling you. We recorded it. We played it. It had been broadcast. There was evidence that I was a false prophet if this didn't come through. And they could stone me, according to the Word of God. I mean, I'm looking at all this. You know, all this stuff's going through my brain. And then, and then Betty, Betty, who's here, uh, was on staff at that point. She came in, and she said, I've got the final number. And she put the paper down on my desk upside down. And I, oh, I was so scared to turn it over. Anybody relate? And I, I grabbed it. I thought, oh, I'd rather not even know. I have to know. I don't want to know. I want to know. You double-minded you. And finally, I had the courage and I turned it over. $1.1 million. It was exactly right. I want to tell you what didn't happen. What didn't happen was I didn't get up and say, I heard the Lord, because that's absurd. We all together, can you imagine what it took for God to orchestrate every family to pledge the exact amount to get a total number? Like every family and the whole church had to hear. That's the New Testament church. I, I want to go easy, but you need to know, after Abram brought the tithe, uh, you've been hearing me talk about the 20 points of impact. 20 ministries are going to start in the year 2020. How many believe that's coming to pass? After Abram brought the tithe, that's when God gave him the promise of the blessing. I, I know that's kind of, well, yeah, you're just kind of making the. Then I realized it's Solomon. Solomon had the promise from God. After Solomon brought all those offerings and generously gave to expand the kingdom, then God said, ask me what you want. I think that our giving actually does trigger something of the next dimension in our lives, in our future, and the next generation church. How about you? So, I just ask you this week, uh, your action point is to take some time and really pray about your time, your talent, your treasure. Let's see God's kingdom expand. As we gather next week, we're going to actually make those commitments for the year 2020. And I believe God wants to do something profound and amazing in this next year in our church family for the sake of the society in which we live. How many believe we can see an entire city turn to Jesus? Lord, I pray that you would awaken something in our hearts today. It all begins with a decision we talked about that Jonathan Edwards one day had to make. He had to decide that in his sinful state of humanity, the nature of Adam and Eve he had to turn to you, the Savior of the world. And out of that, Lord, was born a legacy. 
a transforming legacy. I pray that today, Lord, each and every one of us would have a certainty in our hearts that we have made that decision. In the name of Jesus, if that is your decision you have made or you are making today, why don't you just posture your hands in a place of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ as we acknowledge Jesus is the Savior of the world. He came to rescue all humanity and redeem our lives to become the expression that he has called us to become, to see the world transformed everywhere we go. We acknowledge that today. Come on, if that's your declaration and your prayer, why don't you give him praise today? Jesus is Lord. We honor you, Lord God. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's turn it up just a little bit.